Mid-market sized businesses are where the true economic action in business really is. They are nimble and agile, they're factories of growth, they lead in innovation and they're early adopters of tech. These enterprises need the right tools, support and environment to flourish. But sadly, they're often overlooked and undervalued. Not here though. This is the Mid-Market Matters podcast and I'm your host, Craig West. We'll explore pain points, growth strategies and how to find the competitive edge. Welcome to SME Radio. On this episode of Mid-Market Matters, we're joined today by Michael Lane. Michael is an Australian entrepreneur and the Director of Success Resources, which is the world's largest provider of educational events. You've probably seen some of the events Michael's promoted and managed with Richard Branson, Tony Robbins, Robert Kiyosaki, and a stack of others as well. Michael, firstly, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. Maybe give us a bit of background. How did you get to be the events guru that runs all these magnificent events with all these world-class speakers? How did you end up there? <laughs> yeah, look, it's, there's a 20-year journey, if, uh, if I'm going to be honest, and there's no overnight success or fancy story. It was 12 years of being sort of in the trenches in this particular business, working hard. Um, I'd had a personal development background, meaning I was an advocate, I was a student, uh, I'd been learning as I went along and failed many businesses. But in the last 12 years, I've had a single focus on scaling our business from, you know, doing three events here in Sydney in Australia to then doing 525 last year in 37 countries. So I've been working hard for 12 years growing this business and proud to say that we, we work with some amazing people and we've got a boatload of clients who love what we do. So it's, you know, it's the dream job. Mate, it's an interesting story because I think even if we ignore, which is very hard to do, COVID-19 at the moment, but even before that, people, particularly business owners, need help. They need advice. They need personal development. They need you know, they need a whole stack of areas of help. And a lot of what you do is focused on that. It is. I think, you know, uh, the success of a business really comes down to the, the mental stability, the, the growth of the leader. Leaders are the ones who scale and grow businesses. And I'm always wary of a leader who's not investing time in their own growth. You know, most of my clients are entrepreneurs or, you know, they're running companies, whether they're small or large. And it's always good to see people coming back and continuing to sharpen the saw. Those are the people that typically have success in their companies. I'm always wary of that entrepreneur who knows everything and doesn't need to continue to learn. Uh, I just think they'll be humbled at some point. But yeah, look, we're fortunate to have a great client base of people who are continually working on themselves and it's great to see them have a win. I mentioned some names in the introduction, but you've worked with a large number of very well-known speakers and, and educators. Who's the most interesting, do you reckon? Interesting is, is, is a strange term because I've worked <laughs> with the likes of rock stars, politicians. I even toured Donald Trump a million years ago, which, uh, which was very interesting. But I'm fortunate I get to see the, you know, the many sides of of you know our our landscape in entrepreneurship you know what i mean i love having sports you know stars come on and and share their lessons and learnings on on what they've had to go through and then you know having the likes of sir richard branson who 
everyone knows of the Virgin brand and right now they're doing it a bit tough in certain areas, but here's a guy who's started uh, almost a thousand companies, 300 plus of them have failed miserably. And as a guy who just keeps showing up doing what he does, it's a fascinating story. And there's still 300 plus Virgin companies in the group. So I'm blessed to be able to work with all types of society and all types of backgrounds and let's just say there's some interesting stories in some of those people as well. Interesting experience you must have traveling around, talking to these people, learning, seeing what they do well, what they don't do so well, etc. What do you think the key success factors are for you? You know, I'm in the success game and I'm constantly working on myself a lot and I am consciously working on finding a way to shorten the learning curve, become better, give back more, do more. And Fortunately, a lot of the people that I have on my stage, they're probably 20 or 30 years ahead of me. I'm always picking their brain. Look, if I had to nail it down to one thing, and it's not one thing, but if I had to nail it down to one, they do the one to 2% as better than anyone else. You know, that's what I've just noticed. If they're doing something, they do it at a level 15 constantly. They're just making the most of whatever they put their mind to. And it may sound like a lot, but it's only the extra one to two percenters that they're doing. But they do those consistently. I tour Anthony Robbins a lot. And in our partnership with with Tony, we've done three quarters of a billion dollars in the last 20 plus years. But he's a guy who who maximizes his time and he does the one to two percenters. For example, we'll be doing an event somewhere in the world and he maximizes his time. For example, we may have a toilet break. And between the stage and him going to the toilet, he's got a meeting on the way to the bathroom and then a different meeting on the way back. Now, this is a guy who you could probably find five to 10 minutes somewhere, but he's like, no, I want to maximize my time so much. He only needs three minutes. It's like, don't give me the 20 minute context. Give me the three minutes to get me where I need to be. And this is just the mindset of, those elite, they do the one to two percenters consistently, and that's what gives them massive results over a long period of time. That's fantastic. Now, you've obviously built a very successful business by partnering with other successful people. I know you you talk about, you act on strategic partnerships all the time. What's your approach there? How have you made that work so well? For a long period of time, I was the the entrepreneur who wanted to do everything. And I think the sooner entrepreneurs figure out what they're amazing at, the quicker they delegate the other areas that they don't love and they find partners who can do that. I just think that's a model for scale. Too many solopreneurs, too many one-man bands trying to do everything. I just don't see it working. So I've built a business purely on doing joint ventures, collaborations, partnerships, because we've figured out we're amazing at sales and marketing and running events, but we're horrible at when it comes to education and delivery and and expertise. So I go find who's the best in the world at the areas that we wanna grow in. Uh, Whether that's Richard Branson, like I said, Tony Robbins, Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, doesn't matter who it is. If it's sales training, I'm not going to start to look at what I can do to become an expert in the sales training arena. I just want to go find the biggest and the best and do a deal with them. That's the long and the short of it. I'm a young guy, but 
I grew up in Brisbane. I, I didn't have everything handed to me. I've had so many failures in, in life. It's been funny. But how do I generate $1.8 billion through my teals is because I partnered with the world's best in their field. That's the only way. And, and I think this is the trap that entrepreneurs get stuck in is that they must maintain 100% of their deal and then try and figure it out. Um, I, I'm quite well known for doing a deal and only taking 5 to 15% of the deal. The other people around the table have had $5 billion in success in their field and they would take the ball and run with it better than anyone else on the planet. So I've done 500 plus joint ventures. I've done so many different deals and I just know what lane I need to stick in. There's no point in me crossing over and getting into some other area. It just doesn't going to serve me or, or anyone. So I think the lesson here is understand what you're amazing at. Keep growing and working and sharpening that saw. But then delegating, outsourcing, partnering with people who can uh, who are masters in their field and, and do deals with them. That's just been a model that's worked really well for me. Yeah, it's certainly when you start to talk about some of the numbers, it's certainly worked really well, but it's about you being very disciplined and focused on what you are good at that's and it. just keep doing it. That's it. Mate, joint ventures as well. I mean, you talked about joint ventures. You're in, we're in the middle of probably the largest disruption we're ever going to see in terms of live events, which is your bread and butter. How have you found yep. that worked for you? What have you done in terms of COVID? How have the joint ventures supported you through that? And just for the listeners, uh, again, last year, 525 events in 37 countries. That's 10 a week somewhere in the world uh, mm. to, to quickly go down to zero within a 30-day time frame. Uh, <laughs> crazy. It's it crazy times. We have a vision and a mission to change the lives of the people that we uh, impact. While it was great and we had a great run doing it via seminars, our vision and mission was never to run more seminars than anyone else on the planet. So yeah. our mission and vision never changed, just the delivery of that. So we've pivoted quite hard. We've been doing a series of different webinars, digital delivery, uh, digital education, and it's been great. I mean, there's been a few things that didn't work, and let's be, let's be upfront and honest about that. But the overwhelming response to probably 60% of what we've done has had an impact and the vision and mission continues. So as we sit here today on Thursday, I go live with what I think will be the largest entrepreneurial digital event ever. I've got Tony Robbins, I've got Sir Richard Branson, I've got Tom Brady, uh, I've got Will I am from the Black Eyed Peas, Pitbull, I've got Sarah Blakely. I've got 13 wow. of the best entrepreneurs on the planet doing a digital event for the next three weeks for me, all completely free to the end user. We'll have in the vicinity of, you know, a million plus people watch that. That's what we're all about. You know, despite can't run events, live events physically, we've got to find a way to continue to deliver our message. And um, because we built a great partnership with so many of those people I mentioned that when I said, hey, do you want to do something that's completely free, but it's going to add so much value, they all jumped on board. So mm. I've been putting together, you know, both paid digital events and like the virtual success summit that I just mentioned, yep. completely free to enhance and help people through this time. That's been some of the, the most rewarding things we've done during the COVID-19 so still working through new models, still learning. And obviously, we'll be here when the doors open again and we'll get back to doing live events. But 
uh, it's great to have been put in this position to find a new way to be able to service our clients. And it's an incredible thing to have an event that's running with, you know, a million audience over the next period. It's just an incredible event when you think about it. And actually, there's no way you could do that in a physical event, clearly. It's just no way. Possible. No <laughs> way. And, and if you look at that, last year we had 300,000 people buy tickets. In my first month of COVID, I had more than 300,000 people engage with us in digital events. So you start to sit there and go, yes, COVID is horrible. And anyone listening who's been affected, my heart goes out to you. But how do you find the positives in this crisis mm. to get a way to deliver your product or service in a different alternative way? At first, trust me, I was in the same boat as everyone. How are we going to get out of this? But I know that on the other side of obstacles, on the other side of challenges, is amazing solutions. We just got to sit down and find a way to go through that. And I'm so glad we went through this because my business will never be the same again. Yeah, that's a fantastic way to look at it as well. And that's part of the mindset you need to take into it, isn't it? And I've been saying this for the last two months is that entrepreneurs, business owners, we've dealt with crisis. You know, anyone listening to this could honestly yep. put their hand up and go, I've dealt with my fair share of crisis. This yep. just happens to be a macro crisis where everyone's experiencing the same crisis at the same time. I hope anyone listening to this, you'll never go through a macro crisis again. But let's yep. be clear, you'll go through several more micro crises in the future. We just need to be able to learn how to adapt to it and see beyond this as a way to continue to deliver our clients. I'm always looking at a 10-year goal. And when you look at your vision and mission as a 10-year lens instead of a one-year lens, we will look back on this and go, oh, remember that COVID-19 thing? You know, oh, yeah, I remember that. So when you have a macro goal and it's much bigger than yourself and it's for 10 years plus, you have a different lens than just looking at a 2020 goal. Yeah, that's a fantastic way to look at it. And look, I often tell people, you know, you need to plan for a much longer horizon. We're very short-sighted in terms of our planning mm. Partly because of communication and news cycles, quarterly announcements for listed companies see their share price go up and down by ten percent, and that's yeah. not real. You know, we've got to get back to this long-term planning because it does make a significant difference to performance. Hundred percent. I, I think we are in an ever-changing world and it's fast-paced. But when you put your customers first with a long-term goal, plan, target, I think you will always come out and win as opposed to that quarterly to 12 to twelve month timeframe. You know, boards are looking to be re-elected and, and CEOs 10 years are getting shorter than they've ever been. But the companies and the, who come out and have a long-term global vision for the protection of their clients will be the ones that win. And, uh, and, and it's easy to forget that sometimes. Sometimes we all get into the space of, what have I got to do for the next three to six months? But yep. um, I always like to have a 10-year goal and a 90-day and 180-day. That's it. Everything is driven by the 10-year, but what have we got to do in the next 90 and 180 days to ensure we're on track for that 10-year? That's the focus that I've had. Oh, fantastic, mate. Um, you've talked about doing joint ventures and strategic partnerships where you are quite happy, seemingly, to give away some of the income to get other parties mm -hmm. on board make it work. I'm interested in finding out a bit more about that philosophy and how that's worked so well for you. Again, if anyone listened to this, probably done a few deals, you've had a few wins, had a few losses. I'd be very surprised to hear of anyone listening to this 
who's still in the same venture than when they started their whole entrepreneurial career 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's very rare to still have that first business mm. idea. So when I realized into my fourth company is that the entrepreneurial journey is one with many different cracks at this. You, you'll start something, you'll iterate, may not work, may work. So after I had a number of losses, I figured out why am I trying to retain 100% of this deal when I know the likelihood of it being around for the next 20 years, especially if I'm the only one at the helm, it was just a, you know, a low percentage play. So I flipped the model. I went, if, if my entrepreneurial journey is going to be one of 40 years, it's going to have multiple entities, multiple things, because I'm the type of guy who's constantly looking to what's that idea? What's a concept I can do? How can I scale this? Blah, blah, blah. Is that I just thought, Let's partner with the people who can truly bring it to market. Now, I got to a point where my first way that I thought of this, I gave somebody, it was a tech play, I gave somebody 50% of that deal to build it and do all that, and I mitigated any financial costs of building that. So I thought, okay, if I can delegate the cost of that and get someone to build that, and sure, they get a piece of it, then... I don't need to outlay all that. And the last thing I want to do is be an expert in the tech area. So I just started to do more and more deals. And Craig, I got to a point where there was more strategic, bigger brands sitting at the table, looking at me going, Michael, we can grow this. We can scale this. But we need X, we need Z, we need Y. And I'm like, I'm fine with that. Because even if I'm left with 5, 10, 15, 20%, this could be worth hundreds and hundreds of millions at some point, and they're building it. They're the ones who are doing the hard work. So the lesson here and the, the thing that it's completely changed everything for me is there's strategy and execution, and most entrepreneurs are either one or the other. Yep. If you can delegate the execution to somebody who's already got the runs on the board and give them the lion's share of that, then they will run right into the future and try and bring that business concept to market. I, I don't mind having the minor share and being the one who does the strategy. I'm not saying that you can't do execution if you're the strategy guy, but I just knew for me as an entrepreneur, there's a better use of my time not getting caught up in fulfillment or execution. And if I can delegate that, give the lion's share to somebody and they can go tap it into their current business model, then that's a far more lucrative and fun and enjoyable process for me who loves being on the strategy side. You know, Craig, I've done deals where I've taken no percentage, but I got in the boardroom with somebody and that got me to do two more deals. Yeah. I've done deals where I've incentivized people with future royalties to get me into the inner circle. I've just done so many things with the, the mentality that I'm okay taking a minor share because I'm going to have another five companies I'll build in the next decade or so anyway. And that model might come back to help me because somebody sitting around that table might be my next deal. For me, it's the entrepreneurial way. I don't need the lion's share. I don't want to be the only one that's you know, awake at night thinking how we get through this. I'd rather much more sophisticated people and companies staying awake at night with the lion's share going, geez, how do we get through this? What's the next thing we've got to do? So 
for me, there's many ways to play this. The first thing everyone needs to do is identify who they are as an entrepreneur. What drives you? What governs you? What's the enjoyable component of it? Once you understand who you are, who you are and what's governing you, then you can play the game. And then you can start to do deals, joint ventures, collaborations, acquiring, mergers, acquisitions, all those different things in alignment with who you are. To give you some idea, I acquired a company last year. That company, not going into too much detail, but that was a $40 million a year revenue business, $20 million EBITDA. And I I acquired that company, 49% of that company, no money down. Most people go, that's madness. How would you even do that? Because I convinced that company that I can help scale them with my skill set, which is sales, marketing, and strategy. So in that instance, I actually said, you know what? My company can take 49% of that, and we will do the execution on our side because we think we can do it much better than you guys. And people listening to this, I hope that you get from this this podcast that if you truly understand your skill set, what governs you as an entrepreneur and, and where you're a master, you can go do and play the game at many different levels. It's not just about we do a little startup and then we, we get employee number seven, employee number eight. That's just the old rules to the game. The new rules to the game is fun and fast and scaling hard. And that's just going and giving equity away to people who can help you hyper grow it. And that's kind of what I do. That's what I love to do. And that's why a skinny kid from, from Brisbane can actually sit there and go, well, we've, we've done almost $2 billion through our businesses. But I tell you now, it wasn't from Michael Lane. It wasn't me on stage. It wasn't me at the front of the, the, the business. It wasn't me, you know, on the front of the website. Is that I can just orchestrate the deals in a particular way that I can get massive growth by partnering with the world's best. Fantastic, mate. You also mentioned a couple of times then fun, and I've worked with you on a couple mm. of events. I've spoken on the stage, etc. and you always have fun. Even when something's gone wrong, there's a problem, <laughs> something's not working the way, you're always having fun. How important is that? It's obviously a key part of how you operate. 20 years in business, there's a lot of moments where it's not fun. There's a lot of ups and downs. The journey is paved with challenges everyone listening to this knows that if you don't your challenges are ahead of you (laughs) so if you can't close your eyes at night and have a smile and and think about how you can keep this fun then it will be short term for you so if you keep it enjoyable you keep it fun i feel like you have a greater tenure uh there's a longer tail in it i've also had so many different losses and so many cool wins along the way that, Craig, I don't get attached to the highs and lows anymore because that'll take your enjoyment and your fun out of the process. There's nothing worse than waking up every day and you have a loss and you get deep into the depression of that. Yeah. That's, not, that's not a long entrepreneurial tenure. That's, that's going to be a short run, <laughs> and then you're going to go find a job somewhere that's got consistency in your life. For me, my advice is don't get attached to the highs and lows. Even when you have a good win, sure, have a drink, have a celebratory gathering, but then tomorrow morning, get back on the horse and go figure it out. Because guess what? You'll be humbled again in some other area soon. And when you know that that's the journey and you're okay with it, then you start to have a bit more fun with it and you take it a little bit more lightheartedly 
than you do if you ride the highs and the lows. That is going to be a rough ride over a long period of time. Yeah, and it's not, yeah, no fun in it at all. No. Mate, just to wrap up, number one tip for mid-market business owners, what do you think they need to do? I would be highly, and I think this, which is great, this whole podcast has been about joint ventures. There are companies, people, celebrities, uh, ambassadors out there who love what you do, but they know nothing about you. What I would do is I would put a joint venture plan or strategy in place to go find a way to scale your business with experts in the field. Now, if they're not known to be in your field, they could be an expert in a different field, but they could be ambassadors for you. Too many people are looking around their boardroom table going, how are we going to grow this? When they're not looking outside of their company on how they can scale this fast and fun. That would be the biggest thing that I would love to shake the bones of the people listening to this going, hold up, we don't need to do it all ourselves. Let's, let's go find a fun and fast way to partner with other people and actually maybe scale this and, and find some hyper growth in this. When you understand the fundamentals of joint ventures and how to pitch, if you understand the mechanics, then I would suggest that 90% of the time you do it, you'll get a yes. And if you taste that success of a yes in a joint venture and it working, boy, oh boy, well, your whole marketing and your whole strategy will completely change. So that's what I would suggest to, to anyone listening to this who wants to try and you know bring forward some of their goals and plans and maybe hit those quicker and, and have a bit of fun at the same time. Mate, that is fantastic. And I'm definitely going to take you up and get you on a second podcast. Mate, thank you for joining us today. That's been really useful stuff. My pleasure, mate. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to SME Radio. Proudly produced by EagleWave's small business podcasting platform. For more great episodes like this, go to smea.org.au. Remember, if you have a story to tell, we want to share it. Mm-hmm.